Good morning, Christ Central. Glad to be here always um, to worship with you all. Thank you, Reverend Timothy. And I want to acknowledge uh, your Pastor Daniel, Evan, the elders here for allowing me this opportunity to open God's word. And I'm not going to waste time. If you can, please stand with me as we go before the Lord and read his word in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. The word of the Lord says this, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, speak to us through your word this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Growing up on, uh, um, during my time, I'm not going to give my age. My wife gets on me about that. But Saturday mornings was a time for me and my siblings to primarily do one thing early on. That's to watch cartoons. And we love the superhero cartoons, uh, He-Man, all right? You got Batman, but our favorite was probably Superman. And even with Superman, we would even watch the movies with Clark, uh, with, with Christopher Reeves. We, we wanted to watch that. There was just something about it that would captivate our attention. And so in one of the movies, Superman, he's always saving someone. He saves a man who is trapped in a burning building and he's on the top floor. So obviously he comes in, he swoops in, he rescues this man and he's flying this man to safety. And while he is in Superman's arms, he looks at Superman, then he looks down. And when he looks down, he gets terrified. And then Superman said to this frightened man, he said, now if I delivered you from the burning fire, what makes you think I am going to drop you when I'm carrying you to safety. Friends, all of us have been experiencing times, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say a time, but we have been living in this now seems almost three years, and all of the things that we have been seeing happening, it makes us wonder, are we in grave danger? Is something going to happen to us? But for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the psalmist says, though the earth trembles, and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roar and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, we don't have to be afraid. 
There is security in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I even wanted to attack this text, we are in the grip of his grace. The grip of his grace. When the storms of light are raging and the billows roll, as the song says, I am glad that I am safe in his arms. Friends, we all know this, but I want to remind us, Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is the good shepherd. He will not leave us nor forsake us. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, starting at verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. In our text today, Paul, I love it, in this section of Romans 8, he ask, asks a series of who questions that I want us to look at so that you would be encouraged today. I was encouraged by this when I was in Florida recently, and I feel like the Lord nudged me on the shoulder and said, you got this one when you preach again. And so I want to share that with you. He gives us four questions, and I want us to look at the first one. The first is seen in verse 32. Here Paul asks, if God is for us, the CSB says, who is, or other translations would say, who can be against us? Now, every one of these questions presupposes the same answer, nobody. For Paul's audience, Many of them probably experienced being expelled from Rome during a time. And you want to reference that, go back to Acts chapter 18 and look at verses 1 and 2. They were expelled. Priscilla and Aquila, they were expelled. And then, about a decade after they returned to Rome, they would experience great persecution at the hands of the wicked Emperor Nero. Interestingly, none of us knows when we're going to encounter trouble. None of us were looking for the COVID pandemic, but God is sitting on the other side of what we're experiencing, knowing what's coming, and he still has the world in his hands. I feel like when we reflect on the past couple of years, and all of us are doing it, none of us would have predicted what we just experienced. And still in, by the way, some countries worse than others, but none of us would have predicted this. It seems like, like the hounds of hell have ravaged us and constantly nipping at our heels. They're constantly coming at us. I learned a friend of mine who's a pastor, he informed me that in the early days of the pandemic, when it first started, he lost his mother to COVID. Many of you may have lost family members to this to this, 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 this virus. And then he said to me that his, his great friend who was a pastor ended up taking his life. Things collided on him and he struggled through those moments. And when I think about my own life, it seems that sickness and health problems have ravaged my family. Sick parents, the older they get, what do we do? One is terminally ill. How do we step in and serve her and love her in the midst of this? But we ask God, why? 
Why is this happening? It seems like I've experienced, we've experienced stress on top of stress. For me, it feels like stepping in the ring with Mike Tyson before he tripped and bit ears. Stepping in the ring with him, knowing that I'm not going to win this fight. What am I going to do? I am in grave danger. And it has me thinking about this. What does tomorrow hold for us? What does tomorrow hold? Will things get better? We hope it will, but will they get better? Will my children who are now adults, will they be safe? Will they be safe? Will people I know who are sick, will they be healed? Because I do believe that God could still heal people when he wants to. Either he's gonna heal them in this life or in the life to come, but God still heals. Will people be healed? Will I see people come to know Jesus? And the ultimate question is, Jesus, when are you going to return? When are you going to come back, Lord? With all of the uncertainties of life, we can be confident about the future because God has already been there and back. While it is future to us, it is present to him. So, Paul, who was able to eavesdrop on the strategies of the sky, the Godhead, he asks us this question, if God is for us, who can be against us? Notice that he didn't say, if God is for me, who can be against me? It's not simply about me as an individual. Here in our country, we love individualism, me, my, and I. But for the people of God, it's never about the me, it's about the us. It's about the we, a collective. He points to the importance of community as followers of Christ. Now, I often tell my folks, and I keep beating this drum, we want to use the word family, and it's right. You here at Christ Central, you are family, right? But I think sometimes we flippantly throw that word out. When we come together, we say we're family, but we don't want, nothing to, we don't want to have anything to do with one another once we leave here. But can we enter the space of one another's lives and truly be family? Because guess what, y'all? Revelation says we're going to be family for eternity. So we need some practice right now. But I love here, Paul is writing to a multi-ethnic congregation. <laughs> See, what was normative in the Bible, we have torn down and destroyed. Where we separate ourselves, but it was normative for Paul and his audience. He, he wrote to this multi-ethnic congregation, and he says to them and us that God is for us. Man, we got an advocate on our side, y'all. We got an advocate. See, as a people, all of us who are in Christ, even though we are weak and suffer, and suffer, Paul says in earlier verses that we have been predestined. He called us. He justified us and glorified us. Because of his work in us and for us, who can be against us? Who? But then he asks, he asks another question in verse 33. He says, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? What is the answer, church? Y'all said that kind of weak. <laughs> who can bring an accusation against God's elect? What's the answer, church? Praise him. Praise him. 
See, I have, a, 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 I have two brothers and a sister. And I remember growing up, so there's a, a brother who's a year under me, and we did everything together. I mean everything so much so we even played college ball together. Like we, it seemed like we were attached at the hip. And for those of you who got siblings, you know you're that close, then there's a lot of friction that can take place. And we would often go through the neighborhoods playing and doing those things. And inevitably, when we go out and play, one of us is going to do something that we'll look at each other and be like, oh, you know, mama don't like that. You know, mama don't like that. And then if we do it, the next thing comes out of our mouths, it says, ooh, I'ma tell mama. And then we'd be like, don't go tell mama, don't go tell mama. Because now we're about to be on that other, that, that, that spanking ministry that we're not looking for. I know I'm aged, I'm dating myself again. Now, we didn't want to see each other hurt. We, we, we didn't want to see pain on, uh, on each other, but because of our hearts, right? You know, it's almost something that, that the wickedness in our heart that we were like, mm, I see, I got the better of you, right? We just wanted to see the other person be in the penalty box. I am certainly not a hockey player, but in ice hockey, when a player disobeys the rules, that player is sent to the penalty box. We just wanted to see the other person put in a penalty box for a short time. Now, in God's economy, there is no one who can bring an accusation on God's elect. No one can put us in God's penalty box. No one. His word says in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 8, The one who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us confront each other. Who has a case against me? Let him come near to me. When someone wants to, wants to accuse us, God vindicates us. He stands as our advocate. No one has the ability to impeach us. In my junior year of college, I got caught up in a situation. And I hope you don't judge me for this, but this is my story. In college, as, a, as, a, as an athlete, we get back in town and I go into a particular dorm where some things were taking place that should not have been taking place, but I'm tired, I'm angry, I don't know the Lord, and I'm just going to be there. All of a sudden, the police kick the door in. Now, on this campus, because we were athletes, we knew that a lot of people on the campus knew who we were and the police. We knew that. And so they come in and they kick the door in and they say, what is your name? I'm like, what? I'm not giving you my name. You already know my name. They kept asking me, what is your name? So I gave them a fake name and a fake social security number. I know I shouldn't have done it. And then the next thing I know, they're arresting me. And they take me down to the county jail. A lot of things were going on in my mind. Will I ever be able to play basketball again? Am I kicked out of school? So I go and immediately I get released. But then something happened. Out of nowhere, the charges were dropped. The charges were gone, nothing against me. Friends in Christ Jesus, the charges against us have been dropped. 
they have been dropped. Because God, through his gracious provision in Jesus, he atoned for our sins. None of us, like myself, none of us are able to do anything about the problem we have before a holy God. None of us. All of us are guilty. But God, he did something about it. And because he did in the Lord Jesus Christ, we never again have to worry about charges being brought against us by someone else because you and I, we belong to God. I love uh, what, what, what I used to hear growing up. He is mine and I am his. Oh, that's a relationship I'm thankful for. And in Christ, we have been justified. Because of that, we don't have to worry about any other accusations. We don't have to worry about it because Paul tells us why in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, he said, he made him who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But he asks another who question, verse 34. He says, who is the one who condemns? Answer, nobody. Left to ourselves without an advocate, friends, when we stand before God for judgment, we would, stand, we would stand condemned. Because Paul says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. However, in Christ, we are not condemned because of what he has done for us. If you're like me, when you sin, right, there is something about me that just says, ah, I shouldn't have done that. The things that I often say, I'm not going to do it again. I find myself doing it. Romans 7. Something's wrong with me, God. Why can't I get this right? But I love the fact that God's word speaks to this. In 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 19, John writes, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and we'll reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. It is impossible for us to be condemned because Christ died. And the text goes on to say, but even more, he has been raised and seated at the right hand of God. Earlier, uh, Paul would say, there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. His death removes the possibility of condemnation for those in Christ. I love it. He finished his work and the Bible does not say he's going to heaven. It says he's seated. It's done. It's done. We're just waiting for the consummation of what he already did. It is done. He is seated at God's right hand. But more than that, he's praying for us. He intercedes for you and I. Not only does he intercede for us, but in verse 26 of chapter 8, we are told that the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Now get this, the Spirit, the, the third person of the Godhead is praying for you and I, and the second person is praying for you and I. Y'all, we got some people praying for us. Now, now I, I, I love it when my, my, my wife prays for me. 
she told me this morning. I'm sorry she couldn't be here, but she, she said, I'm praying for you, honey. Thank you, baby. I need them. Growing up, my grandmother, I know she was praying for me. Because I, uh, forgive me, but I, I, I was just out there. I needed someone to pray for me. My mama praying for me. I'm glad that my wife, my grandmother, and my mother pray for me, but that's somebody greater. I need praying for me. His name is Jesus. Give me him. Why? Because I know his prayers are going to be answered. I don't know about yours. <laughs> and when I pray for you, you don't know if my prayers are going to be answered. I know his prayers are going to be answered. And we don't have to worry about that. Friends, we need to praise God that we are the subject of Jesus' intercessory prayers. We are the subject. Because of Jesus, we are, not help, we are not left in helpless isolation. Jesus is Emmanuel, God, with us. And he is more committed to us than we are to him. There's one more who, who question in verse 35. Paul asks, who can separate us from the love of Christ? We know the answer already. Nobody. Paul doesn't ask what will separate us from the love of Christ, but he asks who will separate us from the love of Christ. And if we're honest, when we think about love, we, we say we love all kinds of things. I love chocolate cake. I love ice cream. I love this. And, and then we will also say as believers, because we are good Christians, I love God. But if we are honest, our love wanes. And it's like this. It's up and down. But when it comes to his love for us, it's not like that. It's not like that. I know there are moments where I'm unlovable. I know it. I don't love my kids as I ought to love them. There are times where I mess up, I sin against my own family. But I do love them, but it's, it's all over the place sometimes. Not so with Jesus. Nothing can separate me, nothing can separate you from his love. See, we have this wonderful assurance that his love will always be there. Now, his love does not mean that we will not suffer in this life. Again, I, again I'm, I'm going to talk about myself now. I, I, I assume that when suffering is not present in my life, then he loves me more. But I've come to understand that when I do suffer, it's not that he, he's moving himself away from me, but he's drawing closer. And he is with me in the midst of, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23 says, I will feel no evil. Why? Because God is with me. He's with me. So Paul asks, can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword do it? No. Nothing can. No amount of suffering can. Again, I, I, I get it. We've all been experiencing the same thing. Can COVID separate us from his love? No. And I know some have been in the, uh, 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 with the Lord Jesus. They love the Lord Jesus, but that, that virus took them out. But guess where they are now? They're in the presence of the Lord Jesus. They're with the one who died for them. Because he loved them. He loves us. And, and to reinforce this point, Paul quotes Psalm 44 and 22, 
where he says, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. See, this psalm is a lament about the fact that God apparently rejected his people. The psalmist, is, and I love the psalms, right? Uh, they, they are honest about what they feel. God, where you at? Forgive my English for any, any English teachers in here. God, where you at? I'm hurting right now. You're not removing this, right? Why were they suffering? Did they do something wrong? I don't know about you, but I play that game in my head. When I suffer, I'm thinking punishment, like I've messed up. But that's not so with God. So Paul responds to the psalmist by asserting that no suffering is able to separate believers from the love of Christ. Paul shows that no supernatural being also can separate us from the love, nor the instability of the present and uncertain future. Nothing can separate us from his love. Christ's love can never be shaken or unsettled. In all of the uncertainties of the future, in all of the suffering, there is something that is fixed for the people of God. That's Christ's love and God's election. He chose you and me. Why? Because of the finished work of Jesus. And I'm remembering now a song that was saying, and I'm not going to sing it for you. I don't want to torture you. But a song that was saying in the church that I remember and I love because it deeply, it makes me deeply reflect on this. It says, Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. That's love. And then it says, they, they hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head. For me, he died. That's love, but it doesn't end. It ends here. But that's not how the story ends. Three days later, he rose again. That's love. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Encourage the hearts of your people today with that truth. And may we live that out, showing our neighbors the love that you have shown us. We ask this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.